1: What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is Thursday it is the last recording day of my vacation at this point and I am probably not too thrilled I'm hoping that the week hasn't gone by too quick yet uh, but I am still technically in Disney world Uh, Matt is here with me, as usual, for our Thursday shows. We will be uh, recording a little bit here of the AFC South, finishing up what me, Dennis, and Matt started on Monday's podcast. We will be talking about the wonderful teams, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday?
2: I'm doing all right. At least uh, one of those teams probably has a chance uh, to be interesting or watchable in uh, 2021. I don't know about both of them.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I I think one of them, at least from the looks of it right now, has what could be a bright future, and we will talk about them, but that will be the second team we're talking about today. So Both of them them have
2: collected some aging veterans, though.
1: You know. That is very true. Yeah. Uh we will we'll be closing out with the more hopeful team though. So that I guess will yeah. give us a little bit of light at the end of the podcast. So we'll, we'll kick it off with the Houston Texans, who finished 2020 with a four and twelve finish in third place in the AFC South. Their key additions were Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay at the running back position, Chris Conley at wide receiver, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Demarcus Walker at defensive end and Rex Burkhead at running back. Their key losses, Will Fuller goes to Miami. J.J. Watt went to Arizona, and Nick Martin, the center, goes to Las Vegas. Their draft picks, These still-confusing Davis Mills out of Stanford in the third round, I believe their very first pick of the entire draft, and they used it on Davis Mills. Uh, The intriguing Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan in the third, and a tight end out of Miami, the U, Brevin Jordan in the fifth round. The big question, Bill O'Brien is out. David Cully is in. Matt, what do you expect from the Texans?
2: Poor David Cully waited all this time to kind of get a shot at being a head coach. This can't be the exact situation uh, that he dreamed of. You know, you mentioned the curious Davis Mills pick. I'm pretty sure all the other seven that we liked better had gone before he was selected. So if you're the Texans and you feel like you need to take a quarterback, that might have been their best option left because I think Mond had already gone to the Vikings and Trask went in the second round, I know, Uh, and the big five were gone. I think that probably gives you an indication of how unsettled that particular spot is. Um, you saw them with their two third-round picks hitting quarterback and wide receiver. It kind of gives you an idea. Maybe they're worried about that. They've spent the off-season collecting a intriguing collection of running backs that don't seem to have a lot in common other than they're all going to be on the Texans now. And I'm not really sure what they're trying to accomplish. This, is, this was always going to be kind of a down year but um, you know with what we'll talk about in a minute I think the Deshaun Watson thing is clouding even more David Cully they they need to give him a chance which at least a couple of years I would think unless it looks like the players won't play for him because it's hard to imagine this being a super successful team in any way
1: yeah, I can't remember who I was talking to now. Uh, I want to say we were having a discussion about a college coach, so maybe it was Debbie debate uh, about if like he would come into the NFL if the Lions threw a bunch of money at him, and I said no uh, because I think the Lions are probably a couple years away from contending. They, they really look like they're kind of trying to rebuild. Not that Dan Campbell's going to get fired in a couple years, but – I was like, I think with the coach, it was Matt Campbell out of Iowa State. That's who it was, and I'm pretty sure it was Debbie DeBate. We talked about how I think a guy like him is probably only going to be given one shot to be an NFL head coach. And maybe you just take it to take it because you never know if you're going to get offered again. But I feel like with his skill set and how respected he is in the college game, he would wait for the perfect situation because – if you never or get at that least shot a possibly again. Possibly
2: a winning situation. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because if you don't get another shot again and you use it on the Detroit Lions and then you don't do good, you may never get that shot again. And I kind of feel like that for David Cully. I agree with you. He's waited all this time from everything I've heard. You know, he's been a really great assistant. He's worked his way up through the system. And then his head coaching shot is going to be likely with a team that's going to be horrible for the next couple of years. It's is just going to be rough for him. But he is still going to get his shot, so we'll see what he can do with it. I agree with you on Deshaun Watson. That whole situation is just going to be, I think, even if he was playing in 2021, I, I, I don't think I'd expect them to be much better than we're going to talk about them being this year. Obviously, it gives give them a little bit of an advantage, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills. at quarterback, Deshaun Watson is clearly better than both of those. I don't think that he is going to play at all this year, and I would almost be – I'm kind of leaning towards something Felix has said for weeks if not months now. He's said that he does not think Deshaun Watson plays at all this year uh, and has played his last snap for the Texans, and I kind of agree with that at this moment.
2: Yeah, I mean – Kind of thought that he had played his last snap for the Texans for most of the off season because it seemed like he's very dissatisfied. And what I what I would say is the the kind of shadow of this situation is gonna hang over them all season, whether he's on the field or not. He's probably untradeable at this point. Uh, I think we saw the point in time where NFL teams came to the realization that he was untradeable. You saw San Francisco who had been rumored to be in the market for him immediately trade three first in a package to get up for a pick that ends up being Trey Lance. You saw Carolina who said that they would stop at nothing to get him, make a move to get Sam Darnold. Um, you started to get the sense that these teams realized they were not going to, that this was no longer going to be viable uh, for this offseason, which tells you most people thought he was going to be gone. It's an amazing blow. I, I feel bad for Texas fans because two years ago you had a team that maybe wasn't achieving what you hoped, but at least was making the playoffs, competitive in the AFC, built around Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and J.J. Watt. It started when they had that weird trade of Hopkins, which I don't, I still don't understand, which ends up being pretty terrible and ends up costing Bill O'Brien his job. This offseason, they they release J.J. Watts so that he can go find a place to compete. He goes to Arizona, and Watson basically tells you he's not coming back, and now there's kind of this even worse black eye. They've got to carry him, but I would tend – I think there's zero chance he plays a full season. I think there's some chance – He ends up playing five or six games at the end of a season. But I just don't know how much he wants to come back to the Texans or how much the Texans, who've been an embattled franchise with some of the things that happened with previous ownership and other coaches, especially in realms of public relations, are going to want to bring a player like that and put him on the field. I honestly don't understand why Roger Goodell has not put Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. I thought that was the whole point of this thing. It was not only to was not was to protect teams from having to make these decisions too. And from being strung out there, he's doing them no favors by waiting. I was thinking for a while they're waiting till closer to camp maybe, but you're starting the off season program. Could you imagine if Watson chose to report to OTAs in Houston, what that would be like for that franchise and for the NFL, it's not a good look.
1: Yeah, I, that that's very confusing to me as well. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know much about the legal process and everything that's going on. I'm going to be honest, I've I've kind of stopped paying attention to it. I know it feels like only a couple days ago, but I'm sure it was like weeks, if not maybe a month ago at this point, that there was talks between like his lawyer and the lawyer for the women who was saying like he's reached out for a settlement And then his lawyer came back and said, we have not reached out for settlement. They've reached out for settlement. And that was kind of the last thing I remember hearing. I haven't really kept up with it yet. But now
2: it's not just a civil case. They have now opened the criminal complaint. So even if he was able to settle, which when it was just a civil case and was a a couple of ladies, he thought maybe they'd be able to settle it. They're also now saying he's not even going to be deposed until February of 2022. So, you know, there's no chance of any kind of real legal resolution this year. So, right, I so, mean, okay. I guess for me, to bring it back to David Cully a little bit, uh, when, you, when you're talking about this situation, I think your example of a, a college coach maybe not being worth taking a shot makes sense, whereas David Culley has been kind of a lifelong assistant, is 65 years old. Maybe he figured this was... Cause it seemed like the Texans had a very hard time finding somebody to hire. They were rumored to have interviewed all these big candidates and nobody was saying yes, probably because there were some issues going on inside the organization. So hopefully for him, it's a good experience and he gets a chance to show what he can do, even though he doesn't have the greatest roster and the greatest setup.
1: Yeah. And I I think, you know, the roster, unfortunately, is likely not going to get much better over the next couple of years just due yeah. to all of the picks that Bill O'Brien got rid of. So, again, outside of them trading a Deshaun Watson, who I believe it was you who actually said that would have been their best uh, best shot to do that, get a bunch of first-round picks and kind of start the rebuild now and make it a little bit quicker. And now I would imagine at best, even if he becomes – even if you know, they say, hey, they put him on the commissioner's exempt list and he's suspended for six games. If he comes back and is even willing to play for the Texans uh, to kind of show, hey, I'm still here, how good he is, I can't imagine a team's willing to give up, say, like a three first like San Francisco didn't move up to eventually get a Trey Lance. You're maybe at best getting – I mean, I would still think he'd probably garner too, but even then I'm not so sure about that.
2: I mean, it really depends – you're not going to get any of that this season. Your best shot would probably be early next offseason, maybe leading into the draft if his situation has cleared up. Because like I said, they are saying he's not even going to be deposed in his case until February of 2022. Yeah. That's this is far from over. Unfortunately.
1: All right, so let's talk about the fantasy finishes and projections. You know, we we've both mentioned it, but if you had to put a cap on Winston, how many games do you think that he will play in twenty twenty-one? In twenty twenty, he finishes QB five, four thousand eight hundred and twenty-three passing yards with thirty-three touchdowns and seven interceptions. He added four hundred and forty-four rushing yards with three touchdowns. So we know when Watson is on the field, he is one of those elite quarterbacks. You'd expect him to be a top five quarterback every single year, that he is healthy and starting uh the season
2: yeah and this is i i released a revised dynasty quarterback ranks earlier this week he was probably the hardest person to rank because he's a top five talent but his situation right now is far from clear both in 2021 and beyond i still think he's got quarterback one value In one of my dynasty leagues where I'm the defending champ, that's super flex, and I'm in a pretty good quarterback position because I have Allen and Herbert and Wilson and Stafford. I traded a few firsts to go, few future firsts to go grab him Mm -hmm. because I think by next season he's probably playing. But I would consider that a gamble if you're needing somebody for 2021 because. Well, I said earlier I could see him maybe ending up playing the back part. It's hard to imagine there isn't some kind of suspension or some kind of time where he's on an exemplist. The longer this goes on without any resolution and now hearing about the, the deposition not being until the next year makes me think he probably is playing zero games this year. And I'm not sure if I'm the Texans, like I said, I want to put him out there, even if he's willing
1: to play or cleared to play. Yeah. I, I kind of think there I'm, I'm leaning the same way And I know uh, Felix has been saying this for a while. He did a little short for, I believe it was sleeper wire at the time, uh, him being a defense attorney, he kind of went in what some of this actually means and, and, he said that he did not think that Watson was going to play at all this year, and I'm really starting to agree with him that I think there's a realistic shot that he's he's just not, especially with what you just mentioned—the the deposition not coming until February. You're talking about like right around the time of the Super Bowl, obviously yeah. next year. Like that's well, and you have to feel you get like him the, on the field.
2: You have to feel like the Texans think that. Obviously, they paid quite a decent sum for Tyrod Taylor they drafted Davis mills. They've signed two or three other quarterbacks and people laugh now when the Texans are signing quarterbacks, but the fact that the team has put like five quarterbacks on the roster tells you that they're looking for options.
1: Yeah. They're trying to make sure that they're covered and, Yeah, so I I would put it, I mean, if you gave me the 1.5, I would take the under. And it sounds like you're going to do the same thing here, unfortunately, uh, especially for those people who have invested heavily in him or traded for him. It's not looking promising, at least as of right now. Who knows? Maybe by the time this podcast goes to air, we'll get a little bit more – Probably a little bit more clarification, but yeah, you never know. You never know. know. We we seem to have the luck of doing stuff like that. We're going to record this and sometime next week, something's going to drop and be like, well, Thursday's episode is going to be fun.
2: Not to lift the veil too much, but we're already into June and all those big moves that were supposed to happen on June 1st have not yet materialized. Don't even seem like they're imminent. Exactly.
1: That is true.
2: Except for Todd Gurley ruining all uh, DeAndre Swift donors.
1: I don't know about that. I, I, I'm loving it if you're in a startup and watching his ADP drop because of it. Because I still think he's going to uh, somebody he, on, smash.
2: Somebody on Twitter today said Jamal Williams is the back to own in that backfield. Anyway, I was like, I hope this is not uh, not serious, but apparently it was serious.
1: If you're talking to Anthony Lynn, that's what he keeps saying from all the quotes that I've seen. Speaking of backfields, David Johnson and Philip Lindsay seem to be the leaders here. For the Houston Texans, they did uh, also bring in Mark Ingram. Um, And now Rex Burkhead. Oh, yeah, and Rex Burkhead. So David Johnson last year, who was with the team, finishes RB21, 147 carries, 691 yards, six touchdowns, added 33 receptions on 314 yards and two touchdowns. Philip Lindsay, who was with Denver last year, did suffer some injuries throughout the season. RB 66, 118 carries for 502 yards and a touchdown, seven receptions for 28 yards. Who do you think ends up leading this backfield? Are you betting on Ingram, DJ, Philip Lindsay, Rex Burkhead? How how are you trying to attack this veteran-filled backfield?
2: So I was kind of ruling out. Ingram was one of the early signings, and I feel like the signings they've made since then – kind of indicate that he's more of a depth piece. I liked what our friend Dennis wrote on there that he was feeling good about David Johnson for a couple of weeks and then they started signing all these backs. It's interesting because we don't know what the the style of play will be. Uh, one of the big difficulties with uh, the running back position when Watson has been there for the Texans is they don't freak. He hasn't been a guy who's frequently, thrown a lot to running backs. David Johnson actually ended up having a nice finish because he got more involved in the passing game than we've seen some people in the past. But, you know, they had Duke Johnson for several years there. Duke Johnson, we know, is a great pass-catching back. They couldn't really seem to ever maximize his usage because he didn't seem to be a fit with Watson in that offense. Tyrod Taylor, you would imagine, might, might like um, backs, short yardage receivers, and tight ends a little bit more. So David Johnson I could see being kind of a good passing weapon. I I wasn't incredibly impressed by him as a rusher. I still love Philip Lindsay. I know you've liked him too. He had back-to-back 1000-yard seasons to start his career. Last year the offensive line, the usage got nicked up a little bit. It was kind of a down season in Denver. Still finished with 502 yards. Didn't get as many touchdowns, didn't get as many opportunities. He was kind of splitting with Melvin Gordon. Personally, he's the back that I prefer. I don't know if it's my my love of him or my Denver bias. I feel like he's going to end up leading the team in rushing. Wouldn't be surprised if Johnson is leading the team in uh, receptions. I think they're going to be about even in fantasy finishes. I don't feel like either of them cracks the top 24.
1: I agree with that second part. I don't think either cracks a 24 either. You know, I want to like and lean on Phillip Lindsay, but he has struggled a little bit with the injuries the past couple years. I don't know if Mark Ingram will be completely out of it. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it's a – Mark Ingram and Phillip Lindsay splitting time, and then DJ comes in because I do think DJ is the besides Rex uh, the most accomplished receiving back on the team. So I could see maybe it. I honestly would not be surprised if it's split between the three of them. It's going to be just a
2: or all four of them doing a Patriots style yeah. making you just cry every week.
1: I mean, there well, Cully's not from the Patriots, organization. I know the DM <coughs> is um, Cully, is no. there, right?
2: Cully was with the Ravens, which that's right won't make you feel that much better if you watch yeah. their backfields.
1: Yeah, so I think for me, I, I I agree. I don't think any of the four reach RB2 status. I'd be surprised if one really solidifies himself as an RB3 even. I, I really think they're going to kind of spread this ball around. Dennis, as you mentioned, did say he was feeling good about DJ for a couple weeks. And then he does think that Lindsay. Will lead the care lead the team in carries, but DJ will lead the lead the RBs and catches, so he's leaning a little bit toward those two guys. And I don't think this team's going to be that good to begin with. Uh, so I'd imagine even the carries are going to be somewhat limited just because they're not going to be up much in games. And I don't expect well, they don't have ready. an incredible right.
2: offensive line either,
1: yeah, despite yeah, what that is. That's one of the reasons why Watson has been so good for this team is because of his ability to kind of run around and extend plays. Wide receivers here. Cooks was wide receiver 17 last year. He Was he quietly underrated? Where does he finish this year for you? Last year, you just mentioned wide receiver 17, or I just mentioned 81 receptions, 1,150 yards receiving, and six touchdowns.
2: Yeah, you had a lot better year than you probably remember um you know it seemed like early on will fuller was going great guns but then fuller gets that suspension in the back quarter of the season i think we saw cooks really emerge and sometimes it takes time when you're a receiver switching teams to kind of get into the system that being said it's gonna be a whole new system this year probably a new quarterback cooks Feels like he's a guy that probably always gets dismissed. Because I think last year when we were going into the season, I probably had him in the wide receiver four category, which was unfair. I still don't think he finishes in the wide receiver two. I think he's probably in that 25 to 32 range while being their lead receiver.
1: Yeah, I I – agree with you there I think uh, Dennis did say all the past catchers will struggle with volume Cooks will be the leader but may need the 17th game to sniff a thousand yards I mean I want to if Tyrod is the starter he does typically tend to lean on one guy so I wonder if maybe Cooks can get close to top 24 you know again 17 is a lot better than I thought he was going to finish and he's really actually been better than most people have given him credit for his entire career Go so ahead.
2: his i'm I'm going to look up Tyrod's last full season kind of as a starter was 2017 mm-hmm. in Buffalo so he he didn't have the greatest receiver options because I see Jordan Matthews and Kelvin Benjamin on this list. Um
1: was it was Sammy Watkins still not there? Or is that the he did he get hurt uh, that year?
2: He must be hurt. I'm not seeing him because the leader in targets was Zay Jones with 27 and Charles Clay with or Zay Jones and Charles Clay each had 74. Uh he threw gotcha. the ball. 420 times played 15 games. I'll look at the season prior. Watkins might've been.
1: Was he traded already by that point? Cause where did he get? Tra- he got traded yeah, somewhere. Did like nothing Sammy, was at the Rams.
2: Sammy Watkins in 2016 only played eight games. Yeah. He might've gotten traded to the Rams. Uh, Charles Clay, you know, in all these years I'm looking, he had Robert Woods, 76 yeah. targets, uh, 51 yards or 51 receptions. Charles Clay, though, 87 uh, targets, 57 receptions. Marquise Goodwin, 68 targets, 29 receptions. Taylor has not really run high-volume pass offense.
1: Yeah, that, that part is true, too. So, you know,
2: I don't remember him doing that much. He had at least Landry when he was in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, we only got to play the three... Was it two games, actually, I think? Because the third game is when he hurt.
2: Yeah, he started four games. But so didn't he, game.
1: he did have Landry, yeah. He didn't have Odell yet. He had Landry. It yeah. was... Was it Who else was on that team? I think Landry like, was definitely... Rashad
2: Paraman Rashad Antonio Callaway. Yeah, Landry was by far away. in Joku. But see... In that season, Njoku ends up with 88 targets. Well, I feel yeah, but, like Tyrod Taylor throughout his career has enjoyed the tight ends hitting then, the well, tight end. And with Houston not really having a dominant tight
1: end, maybe that's that opens more right, for
2: the running yeah. backs.
1: I mean, I think they have a tight end in the making. I still like Brevin Jordan, and we'll we'll get to too. him obviously in a minute. But I don't think he's going to be ready this year, so I think that's what I mean. And it, maybe it's Randall Cobb who we'll talk about here in a minute. Maybe that's who his guy is that he dumps off to Nico I Collins. Yeah, I, I just I think Cooks is the better out of that group, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he leans on him again. I, I'm still leaning with you. I, I think he probably finishes. 25 to 32, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks into wide receiver two range because they're going to be behind and they're likely going to be passing the ball a lot to try and win games. And so just, I think by volume alone, he's going to have a shot to get up there. Uh, We just mentioned um, Cobb. You've also got Conley and Collins. Do any of them interest you in 2021? Again, Cobb was there last year wide receiver, 75, 38 receptions, 441 yards and three touchdowns.
2: I mean, Cobb's an okay guy in a deep league if you're looking for a bye week fill in. I don't know how I feel about Conley. I know that was Dennis's guy last year going into the season with the Jaguars. It didn't really happen. I don't really feel like it's a great fit here. Nico Collins is perhaps not somebody I'm expecting to have a huge 2021, but where he's going in rookie drafts in the third and fourth round feels like a, a worthwhile pickup to me because he went in the third round, was the second pick that the Texans were able to make. David Cully, for his entire career, has been a passing game guy, so I'm I'm interested that that's a receiver he wanted.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would think... For 2021, I am not interested really in any of them. Maybe, like you said, Cobb. Again, with with what we just talked about with the tight ends for Tyrod Taylor, maybe that becomes Cobb for them, so he has some fantasy value. But you're talking deep league, as you just mentioned, bye week fill-in. Maybe if you just get decimated at the wide receiver position, you can fill in a guy like Cobb. Collins is the one that I'm most intrigued by. Uh, I did like uh, some of the stuff that he did testing-wise um, before coming out into the NFL. He, he's a guy that a lot of people talk about his skill set is really good. Again, it's hard to see that if you go back and watch his film because his quarterback, Shea Patterson, was, you could argue, one of the worst quarterbacks in college football at the time. So I do like Collins. He's intriguing to me. I know there's been a lot of talk out of the rookie camps that he's actually been really good. So he's a guy, I think, I mean, most of mine, I think I only have like two drafts that haven't started yet that we usually wait till to get closer to the season. I'm almost positive I was getting Collins in like the third round of all my rookie drafts. So taking him there, if you can get him, I I think he does have a chance to be a, at least future piece for this offense. Unfortunately, I just don't know what at all this offense is going to look like. So it is hard to invest in it. It also is there a tight end that you want in 2021. And what do you think about Brevin Jordan long-term?
2: There isn't a tight end I want in 2021. I liked Brevin Jordan like you going into the draft. I don't think it's a bad spot landing in Houston because I don't really see any established superstar in his way. Where he's going in rookie drafts, he's another guy that's going late in the third into fourth rounds of rookie drafts. Some of my drafts, he's gone undrafted. You could scoop him up off the waiver of wire. If you have a taxi squad or something like that, he's a guy I would I would scoop up and put there. I don't know that I'm expecting anything big in 2021.
1: Yeah, I would not expect anything out of these guys. And same with, uh, with Brevin Jordan. Whether it's a deep league or if you have a taxi squad, I would put him on there. I still think he's got a shot to be really good. I've talked about, I think he he's just like Johnny Smith. Now, again, you know, my biggest complaint over the past couple of years, if you've been listening to this with Johnny Smith, is I feel like they don't use him the right way. Uh, and so that does kind of come in with Brevin Jordan as well. They've got to use him the right way for him to to eventually be fantasy Ooh, excuse me, fantasy relevant. All right, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. In 2020, they finished 1-15 and, and in fourth place. Their key additions, they added running back Carlos Hyde, wide receiver Marvin Jones, cornerback Sha- Shaquille Griffin, and tight end Tim Tebow. Their key losses, Chris Conley, who we just talked about, went to Houston, Mike Glennon, who goes to the New York Giants quarterback, and Keelan Cole, wide receiver to the New York Jets. In the first round, they took Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, out of Clemson. Travis Etienne, his teammate, running back out of Clemson. Second round, they took Tyson Campbell, the quarterback, cornerback, and then Walker Walker Little, the offensive tackle, in the second. We've talked a little bit about this, um, and I know we've talked a lot about it on the Debbie debate, it being a more college-centric show and Urban Meyer being making his name in college era. What is it you are expecting from the urban Meyer era in Jacksonville?
2: Yeah, it's a big question. They've been after urban Meyer to come to the NFL for a while. And we've seen some of these high profile coaches who've enjoyed success in college, make it to the NFL, not always translating to great success. Nick Saban didn't have a great experience with the dolphins before he quickly went back and ended up in Alabama Chip Kelly uh, went from being kind of revered as this incredible offensive mind when he was at Oregon to basically derailing his career with a couple of odd NFL stops. But then you've seen somebody like Pete Carroll, who was decently successful at USC, who's had a long, established, successful run. Um with Seattle, I, I think Jim Harbaugh was fairly successful with the 49ers before he decided to go back to college. I think Urban Meyer's going to do okay. I wonder how long he's going to stay there. We've seen in the last couple of high-profile spots, he seems to get uh, worn out and, and feel. And he, you know, he retired from Florida for some health reasons. Comes back to Ohio State, was going strong there, built a good program there, took a step back. Now he's coming to Jacksonville. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of potential. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do. I don't foresee the Jaguars just going from worst to first or even into the playoffs this year. I think it's going to be more of a slow build, even though I like the pieces that they're acquiring. Um, Quick question for you. Do you think Tebow makes the team?
1: I do, unfortunately. Um, and I think he I makes think, the tube, too. I connection. think a lot of that is the Urban Meyer. I mean, Urban Meyer looks at him like a son, and I'm pretty sure vice versa. Tebow loves Urban like a father. I mean, everything they did together at Florida, I'm sure it's kind of hard for them not to. I don't have uh, – Plus, from a marketing
2: do. standpoint – You see like the Jersey sales and building excitement for a team that has struggled to build that kind of identity and fan base, having a Tim Tebow, having a Trevor Lawrence, having an urban Meyer, it's a win whether or not they put together W's on the field.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest issue with the move, and I may have said that on here already is I just don't like the fact that you have some of these players who have spent their entire lives playing the tight end position and hoping to get a shot and then Tim Tebow gets a shot because of his relationship with Urban Meyer who's been out of the league for five years now if not longer
2: yeah because Peyton Manning played for five years in Denver and has been out for almost five years Tebow was traded to the Jets and then yeah. had a, a bite at Patriots mini camp the year after. I'd say he's probably been out for
1: eight, seven, eight years. So, yeah, that's, I mean. It was like 2012,
2: 2013 when he was.
1: So to not to not be in the NFL for, let's just say seven, just to be on the safe side. I mean, I guess I could look it up, but uh, it I'll look doesn't it up. matter yeah. that much to me. I forgot the internet
2: <laughs> exists.
1: Yeah, I know. I was sitting here thinking, I was like, I could, but I was trying to read this message somebody just sent me, so. If You know, let's say for the moment, seven years, didn't even play the tight end position. And if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, so it's
2: training camp 2013, so you're talking about eight years.
1: So eight years ago, and from what I remember from that time, there were a lot of teams that wanted to bring him onto the team to play running back or play tight end, and he refused to make that switch then. And now eight years later, he decides he wants to come back into the NFL and switch to tight end. I got nothing against Tim Tebow. I I love the person that he is. I you know I enjoy him when he does all the college football stuff. You can tell that he care, truly cares about football. I just kind of feel like that's a little bit of nepotism that I don't like, uh, and, and the fact yeah. of him getting that shot because, like so there's there's players who didn't even get drafted who may have like gotten a chance to come into camp and possibly win a job as an undrafted free agent in a tight end position, because that is a position the Jags need badly. And instead they go for guy who played quarterback has never played the tight end position just because he is good friends with the head coach. So
2: one, you know, is, are they going to try to do something like what we've seen the saints do with Taysom Hill? That's, that's a big question. All the comments have been, no, he's not doing any throwing. He's not doing quarterback. I don't believe them
1: yeah and and I wouldn't be surprised because Urban Meyer loves that stuff, and that I guess that'll lead me to my point of I'm not sure what to think because I don't think Daryl Bevel's great as an offensive coordinator at least not with the quarterback that they have you're hmm. you don't have in my opinion a all-star or rock star running back. I like etn I like James Robinson neither one of those guys are guys that I think are going to carry an NFL team. You've got a quarterback who can carry an NFL team. At least I believe he can from what he what he did based in college. And Daryl Bevel is a run first coach. They're going to try and do all of these things. I honestly think Urban did in college. They've already talked about, you know, LaVisca Chenault and somebody else. I can't remember who the wide receiver they mentioned, uh, but, but doing like reverses and all this other stuff. Oh, ETN. Maybe they're Marvin planning on using. Jones. Oh, yeah, oh no. They're ETN planning on using ETN at wide receiver desk. I just. I think Urban's going to try and get way too cute, and this is not college football. There's college concepts well, they that have, work.
2: They have Carlos Hyde, too, mixing in the backfield, yeah. which even more makes you wonder, you know, is he using Robinson and Hyde in the backfield? Is Etienne going to play some kind of receiver? I, I'm i with you, though. It doesn't make sense because it seemed like that was the kind of Laviska schnold skill set is to be kind of a running, kind of like what Curtis Samuel yeah. what we've seen from him. So now you're going to have two of those guys and poor DJ Chark is just somebody get me the damn ball in a place where I can catch it.
1: Yeah. It's I just, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Cause a friend of the show, Brandon, Hay, he is a Jags fan and he is excited. And I do think that urban could turn this around, but I'm with you. I'm not expecting I would be surprised if he makes the playoffs in the first couple years, just because of yeah. how good I think the Colts are likely going to be. Now, granted, we did add the extra the playoff team. Yeah, and the AFC. They did add the extra playoff team, so maybe. But I just I don't see it. And, and I'd be curious to see if Urban ends up going back to college sooner rather than later. I will say the you know the health stuff – has always come at the time that he's left the programs due to uh, controversial things that are going on. And then he he has these health issues. I don't see that happening in the NFL. There's no recruiting violations or anything he can really I don't know if he the already NFL.
2: had to uh, reverse course and fire the trainer that he brought in because well, of – Wow,
1: that was – You was know, bad. so – So that was well, really – again. Well, that goes into – well, yeah. I'm with you about them. As well, though.
2: I'm with you about them. You know, it's easy to say Urban Meyer and he can turn everything around. But if you looked at just their roster and where they are right now, I'd have a tough case making, or I'd have a tough time making a case that they're better than the Titans or Colts in their own division. Any of the four teams in the AFC North, probably any of the four teams in the AFC West and the Dolphins and Bills, probably they're possibly not better than the Patriots. I mean it's a it's a tough road. The AFC is a decent division. It's going to take some time and probably some more pieces and some more building. I Jacksonville didn't go into the hole overnight. They're probably not coming out of the hole
1: overnight. Yeah. So speaking of Trevor Lawrence, as I mentioned, he is in the NFL, their quarterback. What are you expecting of him or what are you expecting to see this year? There was a little bit of worries with the shoulder injury and he had surgery this off season that he wouldn't be ready. He was out there at rookie camp and already throwing the ball. So that's definitely got to be a good sign. I would think for 2021.
2: Yeah. And we saw Burrow and Herbert both thrive last year for teams that struggled um, and that were not winning teams. I think, Lawrence is a great competitor. He was the number one pick for a reason. Um, He was one of the top quarterbacks, no matter how you felt about the other ones for a reason. And I think he's going to do well. He's probably the odds on favorite for rookie of the year. And barring some kind of an injury or Zach Wilson being much more amazing than we suspected, they like to give it to quarterbacks. I think it's probably one of those two guys who's going to play a full season you know, Lance has potential. We don't know if he's playing this year. Mac Jones has some potential, probably not the lofty heights. We don't know when he plays. I love Justin Fields. So do you. I'm not convinced he gets in before the middle of the season. So I think Trevor Lawrence probably plays 17 games, puts up some decent numbers. And it, I think he'll be fun to watch. I think the team will be more fun to watch than they were last year, even if they're not successful.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, we talked about it last year. You know, me being as big a fan of DJ Chark and as high as I had DJ Chark last year in my rankings talking about how Gardner Minshew was missing him wide open at times. I don't think that happens this year with Trevor Lawrence. I think Are you surprised get
2: nobody has tried to go get Gardner Minshew or that there's been no trade talks.
1: No, because I feel like everybody's kind of said The one team. I think the big question is this Houston and I don't know if they're going to trade Gardner Minshew in the division because just their luck if they trade Gardner Minshew to the Texans the two times they play them this year Gardner's is going to go beat them. So I kind of feel like they maybe they're waiting to see if there's an injury or something and then someone wants to bring in a guy like Gardner. But no, I, I think. I think they've even come out and said that they don't want to trade him, that they think he's the perfect backup, and so maybe he doesn't want to leave either. Uh, it's an interesting situation. I know Gardner, I think, has said that he believes he's a starting quarterback. I mean, he was good at times, and I do think that injury affected him more than maybe a lot of us thought and maybe he admitted last year, but I I, I think I would lean more toward he's not really a starting 32. Uh, there's 32 quarterbacks in the league. I'd probably take over him. Probably.
2: Yeah. So maybe more.
1: Yeah. Fantasy finishes and projections. Where does Lawrence finish as a rookie? Is he rookie of the year in 2021? Dennis said, I think it's his to lose. If he and the Jags play it safe with him, he will likely not win it. I think he lands between QB 12 through 15.
2: Yeah, I think 12 to 16 is where I'm going to put him to. Uh, there are a lot of potential candidates getting up into that QB one territory. And there's always somebody you don't expect that has kind of an explosive passing game. I think he's a, he's top 10 dynasty format for me, but I think in 2021 finish, he's probably an upper end QB two and is ends up being rookie of the year.
1: Yeah, I have him as QB2 as well. I was trying to find my rankings, but I couldn't pull them up. There we go. Let's see if that pulls up quick enough. Trevor Lawrence. So I actually have him at 13. So I have him right outside of that. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as a QB1. There's there's likely going to be an injury somewhere. And I think, I, like you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence is going to be on the field the entire time. Jacksonville's defense is still improving. I don't imagine they're going to be winning many games. So Lawrence is going to be have to likely have to throw the ball to stay in him. Uh so I do think that he puts up some decent numbers. I'm not sold on him being rookie of the year just yet though. I I don't think it's really going to be any of the other quarterbacks unless Fields gets in He's my, that's who I'm leaning. Yes, is Najee. Cause I do think he is going to be a pivotal point of that Steelers offense. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to throw it 500 times. Now I do think they're going to lean more on the run. If Pittsburgh gets into the playoffs, I think a lot of that has to do with Najee and what he does on the ground. So he's where I'd lean unless Justin Fields does get on the field for Chicago, because I do think they're a playoff team. If he gets on the field early enough, like I keep hoping and praying he's going to make it by week three when they play the Browns. I'd love to see him in person with the Bears. If he gets on the field by week three and then takes the Bears into the playoffs, I think he would be up there as well with Najee as the leaders for the rookie of the year. Uh, But again, I think some of that is dependent on what those two guys do. If I had to go bet, I would would probably bet more money on Najee than I would Lawrence to win it.
2: I just feel like they – defer so heavily to quarterback because we saw James Robinson had an incredible year last year. Antonio Gibson for a surprise playoff team was RB 13 had just an incredible season, but there was never a doubt in any of our mind that it was either going to be Burrow or Herbert. And as soon as Burrow got hurt, it's like, well, I guess Justin's got locked up.
1: Well, and so I will say the other thing is Justin
2: Jefferson set a record as a receiver and didn't get it.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Wilson wins it either. I mean, I'm not even that in on the Jets, but I honestly think the more I look at them, they might have a better record than the Jags next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with better stats. I I really like the Kyle Shanahan offense, and that's the thing that I know it's not Kyle Shanahan, but it's going to be a version of that with is it Mike? I always get the two yes because Matt's in Green Bay. Mike I Coach always Laura, yeah. I always get those two confused as I start thinking about it. So you got Mike going over there, who's who's learned under Kyle Shanahan. It's a pass, more pass-friendly offense than I think what Daryl Bevel is bringing, and I think the weapons are probably better for Trevor Lawrence, but I kind of like the offensive line a little bit better for the Jets. I think Zach Wilson might be able to do a little more, so it's it's going to be interesting. I just I don't think it's as a lock for me. The way I look at it right now, I can see Najee, if Fields gets on the field quick enough, I think he can do it. Zach Wilson as well, so, you know, if... if Lawrence has got good odds maybe put some money on it because I do think he's probably the favorite to win it, but I don't think it's a lock for me. Robinson was a fantasy darling in 2020, but now ETN is there. Who finishes higher and where do they finish? James Robinson did finish his RB7 last year. 240 carries for 1,070 yards, 7 touchdowns. 49 receptions, 344 yards, and 3 touchdowns. Dennis said that J-Rob is a value right now. I still look for him to get 220 carries, 25 catches, ETN 140 with 50 catches.
2: Yeah, I think James Robinson will finish low end, running back two, probably finishes higher. I, ATN uh, in the running back three category because I, I feel like we've talked about they're looking at him more as a receiving back right now. Uh, probably because they saw James Robinson did a decent job last year carrying that load.
1: Yeah, I've, I've said all along, even when I think it was on our draft show, when ETN went there, I'm not fading James Robinson. I, I don't think that ETN is just going to come in there and immediately be the starter. I think they're going to use Robinson. I actually think them bringing in Carlos Hyde hurts from Robinson more than mm-hmm. Etienne does because – if they're bringing it high and expecting to use him, then that's just another back cutting into Robinson's workload. I don't know if I'd go 240 maybe because they are adding – I always forget that they're adding the 17th game. So maybe he gets close to that again, but I expect Bevel to run the ball. He's always been very run heavy. And the difference is – and I remember talking about this last year, and this is what's going to be interesting for me through the preseason and all the OTAs. I went back and looked at this with his time with Seattle and Detroit – because I was trying to sell people on DeAndre Swift last year, that everybody was kind of panicking because it's like, oh, well, no, Daryl Bevel splits the ball between everybody and they get all this stuff. For the most part, he technically or typically leans on one running back more than the second one. I believe when I looked at it, usually – The running back one gets about 70% of the carries compared to RB two, which is why I talked about, I think carry on will be fine to begin with, but I think it was going to be De'Andre Swift moving forward. I think the same is going to happen here. I do think Robinson's going to get a bulk of the carries, but you will see ETN get the ball, and I think their Carlos Hyde will get some. I don't expect Robinson to finish as an RB1, though. I think he drops down to right around yeah. RB14, 15. I still think he's going to have a good year. But if I had to pick it one out of those three to finish higher, for me, it's still going to be Robinson.
2: When Robinson had 240 carries last year when he was the only guy, so I think it would be a little unbelievable to think he doesn't come down a little bit. I know they're adding an extra game, but the next closest person carries last year was Dare Ubuntuwale, who had thirty-two. Yeah.
1: yeah. Chark and Chenault were okay in the tepid Jaguars offense in 2020. Do they bounce back with Lawrence? And what do we see from Jones? So Chark was wide receiver 49, 53 receptions, 706 yards, and five touchdowns. Marvin Jones with Detroit, with Galladay missing most of the year as well. Wide receiver 18, 76 receptions, 978 yards, and nine touchdowns. LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver 46, 58 receptions, 600 yards, five touchdowns, 18 carries for 91 yards.
2: Yeah, so Chenault actually finished as the better of the two uh, Jaguars receivers last year. We were talking about it last year. Chark, you'd see him kind of running free in the ball, nowhere in his vicinity. Then he got nicked up a little bit. I tend to think he bounces back and gets into that wide receiver two range. I like his talent. I like his potential. I think they have a better team. The real question for me is what is the mix of ATN in the passing game and what does it do to Chenault? And Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has always been a delightful complimentary receiver. Um, You know, that veteran that you can get near the end of drafts that seems to give you wide receiver three value. I could see that happening again, but I could also see a scenario where Chenault takes a step forward and is that kind of wide receiver three territory. That, to me, is the real... Unknown. I think we're going to have to watch a little bit of how the Jaguars play in the preseason and what their rotations are early in the season to get a feel for how Etienne, Jones, and Chenault slot in there. The only thing I feel good about is that I think Chark, with his talent and with this team, ends up wide receiver two range and is the number one.
1: I agree. Uh, Chark is the guy for me. Uh, you know, I was all in last year and I feel like I was just a year too early. I think he's going to be perfectly fine with Trevor Lawrence. Chenault's interesting to me because I do think if they use him the way Urban Meyer liked to use Curtis Samuel at Ohio state, it could be very intriguing. We already saw him get a lot of carries last year. That was before Daryl bubble was there Was before Urban Meyer were there, was there. If they continue that run, That's going to be very interesting for Stanult because he is a very good athlete. And if he can stay healthy, he's gonna get that added dimension in the running game. Now, granted, they did add ETN, as you were just mentioning, and how often they use him in the receiving game. I think that's gonna affect both. I don't want to. Ooh, 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 hang on. Urban Meyer just said something about DJ Chark. No, come back, Twitter. What did you say? DJ Chark's a big guy that played little oh, never mind. That was. I was just, doesn't talking. make it was ar- it. It, no. It was an article. I thought it was Urban Meyer said this. They were. It was talking about an article. What they expect for him to do with Urban Meyer. Um, we always seem to devalue Marvin Jones, and then he always comes through. I just. I think with having Chark and Visca there, though, he's going to. Struggle. not I say struggle, but I don't think he's gonna put quite as good a numbers. Trevor Lawrence is, is going to be a very good quarterback for him, though. I mean, he did have Stafford, who I think is is borderline Hall of Fame, depending on what he does the rest of his career. So he he it's not like he was playing with a bad quarterback his entire career. That being said, I'm going to I agree with you. I think and D- dennis does as well. I'll get to what Dennis said. Chark is probably a wide receiver too. I would put Visca because of his ability in the rushing game, if they use him that way, I think he might end up Close to 30, maybe 32 for me, finishing as a wide receiver three, and then Marvin Jones behind that, you know, possibly a wide receiver four based, depending on. Again, I think this is going, this team's going to have a lot of passing volume. Dennis did say if the Jags go bold because the defense isn't great, I think Chark 218, both Marvin and Visca will both be top 40. Much like the Houston Texans, is there any tight end you want on the Jaguars team?
2: There's not, and I've seen a lot of people going out and, and speculatively picking up Tebow. I I don't see the point.
1: Neither do I. Josh Oliver, I believe, is still there. He is a tight end, or did he get traded? Is he the one that got traded? I can't remember. I think he's
2: the one that got traded.
1: If he's the one that got traded, then never mind. But if he is still there, he is still an intriguing tight end for me. I was going to look that up, too. Luke Farrell
2: sure. was the guy that, yeah, Josh Oliver traded to the Ravens. Never mind.
1: Yeah, Luke Farrell was the uh, tight end for they, at Ohio State. so And
2: he, that's who they drafted. Yeah. They still have... Um, gosh, I, it was an unimpressive uh, spate of names. Let's just say... The I'm fact going. that we're having this much trouble thinking of who plays tight end for the Jaguar answers the question.
1: Tyler Davis, Ben Elfson, Luke Farrell, Chris Mannherz, who was a wide receiver... James O'Shaughnessy and then obviously Tim
2: Um, O'Shaughnessy was the guy they were talking about being a starter I I think they're going to use their receivers and their receiving running backs over tight end
1: yeah I agree um and yes I agree with you on Tebow I will ask this uh because you you think that he makes the team as well over under on Mm -hmm. touchdowns 2.5
2: I'm going to say under, but over under 2.5 days during the season that I bust out my Tim Tebow jersey is probably an over.
1: (laughs) All right, so that will do it for us today. Uh, That wraps up the AFC South. Thank you guys uh, so much for checking us out. We are with, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning, with Campus to Canton now, so we're excited to be there. You can catch all of our content there. Uh, we will be heading into NFC West next, I believe. Am I, am it will be yes, yes, the
2: NFC West because we're we're ending with uh, out of deference to the host, we're ending. Yeah. I set it up so that we end our previews with perfect,
1: Cleveland. perfect. So we will be ending with uh, or sorry, we'll be we Seattle and-, and the Rams. And the See, Rams on Monday, and we will Monday. be back live as well next week. Uh, these two episodes, you if you guys usually tend to watch us live, you've only gotten the podcast because, again, I'm on vacation. We're recording these a little bit ahead of time. But me, Matt, and Dennis will be back on Monday at our usual time to talk about the Seahawks and the Rams. So everybody have a good weekend, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn there. Then you got your
0: popcorn. I came out the wrong line already. It is he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you play football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, die late. tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I
1: can. <laughs> I can. <laughs>